As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Hello there, it's good to have you back. I'm Justin Briley, bringing you the podcast that connects you with great Christian thinkers, apologists, evangelists, and theologians so that you can make the case for faith confidently unapologetically even as we like to say well today we're going to hear the second half of an interview between megan cornwall with lisa fields of the jude 3 project on reaching the african-american community through apologetics this was recorded a little while ago during lockdown you can also find a link to lisa's ministry with the show notes and indeed to our own website premierunbelievable.com lisa was one of the contributors to this year's conference live from the british library in london you can purchase the digital download and get all of the video sessions uh, for yourself so that you can watch them at your own leisure that's available again at premierunbelievable.com just a quick shout out to doc myron one of the people who have left us a rating and review in the early episodes of this new show simple and profound he says this podcast takes the secular worldview and shows the emptiness of these and the value of a christian point of view for people who want to build their faith grounded in christianity this is one podcast to spend time listening to thank you very much doc myron if you can leave us a positive rating and review in your podcast provider it'll help others to discover us too and just one more thing before we get into the final part of this conversation you can book for our next online event on the 12th of july it's a conversation on gen z and millennials and god john mccray and michaela peterson are going to be joining me you can be part of that and ask your questions free to attend online from anywhere in the world you just need to register at premierunbelievable.com the links are with today's show right now here's megan picking up the conversation again it's been fascinating hasn't it just sort of american the last decade we've just been talking a bit about some of those changes but you know we saw the first ever black president elected and he came in with a message of hope and change and then that's been followed by trump whose language many people have described as divisive lisa can you shed any light on why you think trump has got such a loyal supporter base among evangelical christians um that's a that's an interesting question um i think one of the things is that many white evangelical voters are one and two issue voters. They're focused on um, same sex marriage and um, abortion. Well, no three and religious freedom. So those three guide everything that they, they do and their motivation for getting Trump in the white house was him electing judges um, that benefited their agenda. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where their loyalty lies. And also I think there is a fear that, you know, in, in a few years, 
that they won't be the majority anymore. Um, minorities will surpass them in this country. And I think that there's a deep fear of being the minority. Be guilt around how they treated uh, minorities and not wanting to feel like they're going to get the the uh, that um, vengeance or you know they that could be that um, the deep commitment to to uh, the systems that they created, um, and so I think that's that's some of the reasons why their commitment is so strong because it upholds their ideology and keeps them in power. Um, And so I think it's really about power and it's about their own prosperity. Which is quite antithetical to what Jesus taught, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It it definitely is. Um, And I think even people who aren't that overt about it still have this deep, um logging to to hold the power in this country they might not say it like that but you let them talk long enough and their ideals will start to show so to move now to talk a bit about a bit more about your work lisa in in apologetics and that sort of arena has traditionally been quite a, a male dominated area hasn't it yes can you share some of the challenges that that has thrown up as a woman in, in that space yeah, so I remember when I first started, maybe a year in, I was talking to um, a white evangelical leader um, that um, was in some ways trying to aid and help me. And he said to me, Lisa, you're going to have a very difficult time doing what you're called to do because you have some things working against you. And he was just being frank. He said, you're a woman, you're young, you're black and you're single. And he was keeping it real because he understood that organizations have a very difficult time giving to black people, number one, but number two, women and women that are not married because <laughs> the evangelical organizations are, can be very complementarian. I have a very complementarian ideology. And so that if there's no male that they feel is covering you, they feel like you're out here just all along. Like, yeah, who's the man that you're going to run your ideas through? And then they have a hard time interacting with women. So I found that many evangelical men struggle to even look me in the eye because <laughs> I don't know, I guess just a single woman or just a woman period outside of their spouse makes you a, a temptress. And also it makes it difficult um, to have business meetings, right? Because we live, the culture of evangelicalism is a Billy Graham rule kind of culture. So you can't meet with the opposite sex by yourself, which mm-hmm. makes it hard when you're leading the organization. Have you navigated some of those challenges? Um, some, I just, you could have meetings virtually um, where you're not alone with them. That's, you know, conference calls. Some, I'm just X'd out of the room altogether. You know, I'm not able to to enter that space because of those restrictions. Um, so that's that's one one thing. Um, I think with, when it re- when it in regards to fundraising, though, that is the biggest challenge um, because people don't want to give to women led orgs and they struggle to give the black people period because they so 
they won't say it out loud, but they don't trust black people to manage their money. Um, they'll never say it out loud, but it's a subconscious thing. That's that embedded racism mm-hmm. um, that's in American society. And stats show how um, underfunded black led orgs are. And so it's really pushed me to think about being more so not relying on fundraising to relying on products and services. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the ways I've navigated. Like I really have to not only be a nonprofit leader, but I have to operate as a real businesswoman. I don't have the luxury of just relying on people to give me support and funds. And so that's, I, I think that is helpful for me because that way I'm not, um, I'm not restricted in what I can say. I could really speak truth to power because when people give you funding, they can also cut it as fast as they give it. Um, (laughs) And so that's why even many evangelical orgs can't even speak on justice right now because their funding will be cut. And so because I'm moving towards a more products and services model, I don't have to worry about that being my reality. What advice would you give to other Christian women, Lisa, who are wondering whether apologetics is for them? I would say that we are really, I think, going to be the key to apologetics thriving in the next generation. Um, Apologetics usually is debate-based. It's very heady. It's trying to fight reason. It's trying to fight these illogical ideas and philosophical ideas with reason. And most people in this generation, their response is really deeply rooted in emotion and trauma. And so reason often misses those who are forming their arguments with trauma. It's like talking to a wall. And I think women are really good at understanding people's emotions. And I think our ability to do that helps us penetrate in a way that men can't. Mm -hmm. And we do it naturally. And so I think we should really um, embrace that and rethink and reshape apologetics through that lens. And so I think the next group of dynamic apologists are going to be women. And in a space where we were locked out and maybe not thought of as the best person to do it, I think men are going to be looking at us, looking to us to lead in this moment. They're not going to penetrate with many people and just arguing. I mean, you can have arguments all day, but I'm more interested in winning the person than winning the argument. And sometimes that means you don't respond to everything you think is absurd. There's some conversations where you're like, well, I'll, I'll let you have that. <laughs> we'll have another conversation about that at a later time. That's not a hill I'm going to die on for this conversation because I'm trying to get to the root. And I think women have the patience to do that. And so I would encourage the women that are listening to lean into that. Um, to study, to show yourself approved, know your stuff, but also mix that with the emotional engagement. Are you sort of trying to raise up, I mean, along with all the other things that you're doing, <laughs> are you, one of the things you're doing, raising up women to, to be apologists? Yes. Um, our new curriculum through Eyes of Color, it is, um, I curated it, but it's written by Yana Connor, an up and coming um, black scholar that um, she's a few years younger than me, but I'm excited that to be working with her. We have interns that are, are Black women. Our, our whole team, I think it's Black women, um, <laughs> outside of maybe 
two two men that help with other things. They help with graphics and video production, but everybody else on my team is a black woman. And so I'm excited that I'm able to help them and give opportunities to them um, to, to, um, to lead in that way. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. You said in the past, Lisa, that if it hadn't been for apologetics, you probably would have walked away from your faith. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did you mean by that? I needed something, some kind of intellectual rigor um, to engage what I was experiencing for my professor. Um, PhDs, professors can be intimidating when you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in college. Uh, because you you're like man they know it all they they spent the time in school and so that intimidation in that moment makes you want to like give up and it was like seeing other scholars that had the same education be able to interact with their ideas was what I needed to stay in just talking more generally about your your life and your faith over the years Lisa what do you think is the most important thing that God has taught you? I think to be more invested in being faithful than anything else. That faithfulness to him and living a life that pleases him in public and private is primary to my growth and development. To trust and rely on him. I think in this space where it's like, man, I feel like coming into, I feel like, God, you put me in a space where I'm such a disadvantage. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you put me in an easier space? It's taught me to trust and rely, trust and rely on him for provision, trust and rely on him for connections, trust and rely on him for just emotional support uh, because there's not many people who can identify with the space I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so that you feel lonely a lot of times and I have to really trust in the Lord. And I guess that, that brings me on to my next question, which is how do you make sure that you're growing in your relationship with God every day and that you are putting God at the center of your life? How do you do that? Um, I think one of the things that helps me grow is my circle um, that keeps me accountable. And I always tell people, always have a circle that doesn't care about any of the notoriety or any kind of, even people that aren't even in the circle. If my circle was just full of people who were had the same interests and were like me, I think it could be very toxic to my growth because it would always be feeding my ego and I would always feel like I'm bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the keys to my development is having people around me. I'm at the same church I've been at my whole life, my father's church. Everybody knows me since I was a kid. So nobody's like blowing smoke. <laughs> in my in my in my face they're like oh we're excited but it's like okay can you still go get the trash you know I think that's key to my development and and growth is to stay around people who don't aren't fascinated with who you are um, Mm. and what God is doing in your life and what would you say was the best piece of advice you've received during your Christian walk and who did it come from I say my mom um she reminded me that Christianity is not a, a sprint, it's a marathon. And that faithfulness has to be lifelong. She always told me like, yeah, you could be thriving right now, but if you live 70 years, 
like <laughs> I'm 33. That's substantial amount of time left. And so that faithfulness to God is a lifelong endeavor. And so that I have to realize that I can be running now, but I have to make sure I run to the end. And so I think that's the best piece of advice that I've received because it helps me keep things in perspective and knowing like this is a window of time. We see throughout the kings of the Old Testament, some of them did well for most of it and then fell off. You know, look at Solomon. He did well and then fell off. And so I don't want to be the person that does well and has a whole bunch of accomplishments and then forsakes the Lord at the end or in the middle. I want to be consistent throughout the process. And Lisa, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a little bit of advice, what would that be? I think it would be to tell my younger self that everything will be okay. <laughs> it will be okay. I think I thought some things were were more pressing than they were and um, that it would, it would be okay. It's going to be okay. What kind of things would, would those be then? Um, I think just start organizationally. Like I didn't think that <laughs> I would make it this far. And so I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Um, many times I was like, oh, this, is gonna, this isn't, we're not going to get far. People are not going to accept our requests. Like all of those things come, come to your mind. Oh, we're not going to get sponsors. I remember when we did the first Courageous Conversations, and I had really almost zero dollars. And I said, we're going to do it. And they told me, you're going to need about 50000 And I was like, okay. And I, I signed all the contracts. <laughs> I booked all the speakers, literally, on faith. And that was the most, um, that was the scariest five months in my life. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to really trust in God. And I'm looking like, this isn't going to work. People are going to think my organization is a sham. People are going to get here and I'm not going to have their honorarium. I'm not going to have the hotel expense. I, I'm not going to have any of it. And, um, but the Lord provided. And I, I realized how much time I wasted that I could have enjoyed if I had have just trusted fully in God during that time. So I would definitely go back and tell myself, it's going to be okay. And looking forward now, Lisa, what, what are the kind of new and exciting plans for Jude Free Project? I mean, I'm sure the pandemic has probably uh, affected a lot of what you were, you were going to be doing this year. But, but what are the kind of things that God's been speaking to you about um, in lockdown? Or what, what are the kind of the plans you have for the organization going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to expand um, with the online inca- academy. Um, we're doing some work right now, um, reshaping our curriculum to make it, um, specifically for, um, high schoolers and college students. Um, so this is through eyes of color. It's just for the everyday church core, but we want to change some things to make it relevant for youth and college students and the concerns they have, um, for them. So that's, that's one of that. That's one of the things we're going to be doing. We're going to be creating more video content. Um, that's engaging younger people um, around apologetics and how it's unique to to black spaces. So those are some things I'm excited about and doing more. I really want to hit every HBCU in the nation. That's that's my goal. That's one of my goals. And so um, I'm really excited to 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 try to 
create ways in which we can fund us reaching that goal. So just for the English audience, is that the, the equivalent of the Christian union in universities? Yeah, creating forums in which we could also create other events to help train on those campuses, yeah. And in terms of your time in lockdown, do you, I mean, you said you've been very busy, so you may have found it difficult to find time to, to sort of spend with, with God. But do you feel like God is speaking to you about anything in particular at this time or directing you in any, in any particular way at the moment? Um, I think one of the things God keeps kind of pushing me, pushing on me is to trust in him, um, to trust, to trust him with all that I have. And even though, you know, you get through these, um, you get to these mountaintop moments after every mountaintop moment, it seems like you go straight down to a valley um, in which you have to trust him to get up the mountain again. And so really just trusting him, trusting his plan and trusting that he will guide and order my steps. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's one of the, the major things, which is an ongoing thing throughout, throughout my life. <laughs> well, look, Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to tell us a bit about the work of G3 Project and um, wish you all the best with that. Thank you, Megan. It was a joy. Well, I hope you enjoyed these two episodes of the show featuring Lisa Fields. Do check out her ministry with the show notes. And if you want to get hold of her sessions from Unbelievable, the conference 2022, go to premierunbelievable.com. There's also links there to our newsletter, ways to give more podcasts and resources. And of course, that upcoming live discussion, not too late to book in for that. It's happening soon. Michaela Peterson and John McRae on Gen Z, Millennials and God. If you want to be with us on Tuesday, the 12th of July, it's happening at 8 p.m. UK. That's 3 p.m. if you're on the eastern side of the U.S. uh, or 12 noon if you're on the Pacific side. Uh, We would love you to be part of it. Again, premierunbelievable.com to click through for the registration page. All the links are with today's show. For now, thanks for being with me on today's episode of Unapologetic. And if you got a chance to share this show with others, tell them about it, maybe leave a rating and a review. It all helps to get the word out. For now, see you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.